Welcome to the Thankful Homemaker Podcast, a podcast to be an encouragement and blessing to each other in the role God has called us to as women. I'm so thankful you stopped by, so grab yourself a coffee or tea and sit with me a bit as we talk about how God's Word impacts every area of our lives as Christian women. Hello friends, I'm Marcy Farrell from ThankfulHomemaker.com and I'm so glad you're here with me today. We all know the damage that an unforgiving spirit can do within our own lives and the lives of others. It not only damages our relationships, but can cause damage to us physically even. As believers in Jesus Christ, we have the power to forgive. We have been forgiven much. We can choose to forgive. And that's our topic today. We're talking about choosing forgiveness. So I hope our time together will be an encouragement to you to see the freedom there is in forgiveness. And as I'm sharing this with you today, I don't know what you, my listeners, are coming to this podcast with. I don't know the hurts in your lives, hurtful words, betrayal from a friend, disappointments, and even much darker areas of abuse to unspeakable offenses that many of us cannot even fathom. Many times, we can just go on trying to live in a state of normalcy, all the while these past hurts are building resentment and bitterness in our hearts. Our God does not want us to be stuck there. In Christ, we have the freedom to be set free. Forgiveness is a choice. It's not a denial that whatever hurt has been done against you isn't real, but it does mean you need to face it and be reminded that not forgiving that sin against you is a sin in itself. John MacArthur reminds us unforgiveness is destructive in your life. Nearly all the personal problems that drive people to seek pastoral counsel are related in some way to the issue of forgiveness." End quote. So God commands us to forgive others. It reflects His character. Unforgiveness is ungodly. That means unforgiveness is no less an offense to God than sexual immorality or drunkenness. And even though we don't always think of those sins as equal in God's eyes, they are. Sin is sin, right? The sin of unforgiveness is probably more rampant in our Christian circles than the sins we may think of as bigger in our eyes. But no matter, God's word is clear that God despises any sin and that of an unforgiving spirit too. And see Matthew chapter 18 verses 21 to 35 on that. I have another quote from John MacArthur. He says, as God's children, we are to mirror his character. At salvation, we are given a new nature that bears God's spiritual likeness. See Ephesians 4.24. So forgiveness is an integral part of the Christian's new nature. An unforgiving Christian is a contradiction in terms. When you see a professing Christian who stubbornly refuses to relinquish a grudge, there's a good reason to question the genuineness of that person's faith. So let's work on getting serious with unforgiveness in our lives. Nancy DeMoss Walgamuth has shared that at her conferences, and she said it doesn't matter the setting, um, whether it's women or church leaders or longtime believers, that in every audience, when she asked the question that I'm about to ask you all in a moment here, that 80 to 95% of the hands in the audience are raised. 
So I want you to ask yourself this question. How many of you would be honest enough to admit that there is a root of bitterness in your heart, that there are one or more people in your life, past or present, that you've never forgiven? So when I ask myself this question, I realize that I am still affected by the sin of unforgiveness in my own heart towards a past hurt. I may suppress the thought of it, but the reality is I'm not living in the freedom that Christ's death and resurrection has purchased for me if I'm holding on to past hurts. I am not free. Acknowledging this does not mean that you deny the hurt done against you. And it also doesn't help to just attempt to forget the wrong done to you and move forward as if nothing happened. Our human minds just don't forget so easily. And we are all at some point in our lives going to be hurt and be wronged by others. John 16, reminds us, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And 2 Timothy 3.12 tells us, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. And if we turn the tables on that too, the reality is, is that we're going to hurt and wrong others also. Nancy Walgamuth has a great quote. She says, The outcome of our lives is not determined by what happens to us, but by how we respond to what happens to us. End quote. The situations in our lives that happen to us don't have to control us. I can't choose what will happen to me, but I can choose how to respond rightly to it. It's never a right response to sin against sin. Let me say that again. No matter the circumstances, it's never a right response to sin against sin. Listen carefully as I read this quote to you below in a a moment here. It's in the show notes, so write it in your journal and pray through it for whatever hurt in your heart is harboring unforgiveness or bitterness towards a person or situation in your life. When we, as God's children, realize that His grace is sufficient for every situation, that by the power of His indwelling Spirit, we have the ability to respond with grace and forgiveness to those who have sinned against us, at that point, We are no longer victims. We are free to rise above whatever may have been done to us, to grow through it, and to become instruments of grace, reconciliation, and redemption in the lives of other hurting people, and even in the lives of our offenders. That's from Nancy DeMoss Walgamuth, and it's from a resource that really helped me immensely. And, um, just even understanding more biblically about forgiveness. It's a book that she wrote quite a few years ago now. It's called Choosing Forgiveness, Your Journey to Freedom. And it's one I highly recommend. It's a good read for any believer because we're going we're going to wrong others and others are going to wrong us. And forgiveness is a reality of life here on this earth. And this was just a great book to go through how to handle those situations biblically. <clears throat> so as we're talking about this, How are we to love those who have hurt us? And Pastor Ray Pritchard from a sermon called How to Love Your Enemies, where he was preaching on Matthew 5, 43 through 45, offers seven ways to show love to our enemies or people in our lives that we need to offer forgiveness to. And please note, when I talk about an enemy here, I'm not just addressing a true 
enemy as we would think, but it's people like your spouse or your friends or children who at the moment have acted as an enemy towards you or hurt you in some way an enemy would hurt you. They are not truly your enemies, but in that moment are acting with enmity towards you. So the first of the seven points he gives is number one is greet them. When you see them, graciously greet them. We can get good at avoiding people we don't want to deal with. And Pastor Pritchard reminds us that if we only greet our friends, what good is that? Don't sinners do that? So greet your enemies instead of avoiding them. Smile, shake hands, say hello. No more avoiding. And quick note here, please know I'm not saying that if there are situations where abuse or your life is in danger, then I'm saying you need to make contact with this person. There are times when contact is not an option, but showing forgiveness is always possible for those who call themselves Christians, those that have been redeemed and are under the power of the Holy Spirit, no matter how difficult or deep the hurt. The second thing he tells us is to disarm them. He shares, this is what we do when we greet them warmly. We disarm them by doing the thing they very least expect. And he shared a story from General Robert E. Lee where he was once asked his opinion of a fellow officer who was widely known as one of Lee's greatest detractors. The general responded that he thought the man a very fine officer. But General, his questioner replied, quite perplexed, I guess you don't know what he's been saying about you. Oh, yes, I do, replied Lee, but I was asked my opinion of him, not his opinion of me. Number three he gave was do good to them. In Luke chapter six, Jesus added do good to them twice, just so we don't miss it. Doing good means seeing they are made in the image of God and helping them when you can, despite how they treated you. His reminder is to be the first one to call or send the email or make the contact. We can't change how they respond, but we are in charge of how we respond to others. So do good and let the Lord take care of the results. Number four he gave was refuse to speak evil of them. Bless those who curse you from Luke 6, 28. You choose to not speak or think evil thoughts against them. Proverbs 18.21 reminds us the tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Every time we open our mouth, life or death comes out. If we're continually talking about how we've been hurt, forgiveness isn't going to happen. We need to stop talking out loud in our thoughts. Um, Pastor Pritchard stated that we can criticize or complain, but we can't do both at the same time. So maybe for us, silence is a good option. His number five point was thank God for them. We say God is sovereign, but do we really live like that? If we believe in the sovereignty of God, then we must believe that God has allowed this person and these circumstances in our lives. God is working all things for our good. I love Pastor Pritchard's thoughts on taking a picture of your enemy. Imagine this. Take a picture of your enemy, stick it on your refrigerator door, and thank God for your enemy every time you look at the picture. Number six is pray for them. I love this story he shared about when a German pastor, Martin Niemöller, totally botched that, I'm sure, was arrested by the Nazis in World War II. He prayed daily from his prison cell for his captors. Other prisoners asked why he prayed for those who were his enemies. He said, do you know anyone who needs your prayers more than your enemies? They said, but what if you hate the person you're praying for? 
said, tell that to the Lord. He won't be surprised. Then say something like this, Lord, I hate this person, but you already know that. I ask you to love this person through me because I can't do it in my own power. I ask you for a love I don't have and can't begin to produce. God will not turn you away when you come with an honest heart, admitting you need his love to flow through you. And his last point was number seven, ask God to bless them. Simply just ask God to do for them what you would want God to do for you. Seek their blessing. We don't think of it this way, but those that have wronged us or are difficult to deal with or are our true enemies, they're a gift from God to us. God knows best in all areas of our lives what we most need to become more like Jesus. Our Lord Jesus had enemies who killed him, and he loved them anyway. We all as believers desire to be like Jesus. So are we able to move forward treating others better than they treat us, even if it means only God knows and nobody else? There's two ways to respond to life's hurts. And the first way is to keep count of hurts done against us. And maybe not outwardly, but in our minds, we make that person pay for what they did. So instead of seeking the Lord to redeem the situation, we take control of it. Maybe we give them the silent treatment or we hold a grudge, but however we deal with it, we are the ones truly being kept in bondage. The second choice, the better choice, is to let go. Colossians 3.13 says, As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. God requires us as believers to forgive others. It's a supernatural work of the Spirit in our lives to be able to forgive what the world might see as unforgivable. We will never truly have peace until we are able to forgive. I had a situation in my life that took a conversation I had with a friend to realize that I hadn't really forgiven a past hurt when I thought I did. I put it out of my mind thinking it was over, but when it came up again, I realized those bitter and hurtful feelings were still there. It was a wake up to me and it still took the Lord some time to work in my heart. Holding on to the sin of unforgiveness puts a wall up in my relationship with the Lord. It's not just against that person, but it takes away my sweet fellowship with the Lord because I don't have that openness to experience his full grace and mercy in my life. And another issue with harboring unforgiveness, it gives Satan a foothold in my life. It causes me to be in sin in my thought life, and that will sadly come out in my conversation as the situation is brought up. So now I'm sinning in my thoughts and my words. I want the Spirit's voice to dominate my mind, not Satan's. So I have a choice, a choice to choose forgiveness. I can let the root of bitterness dwell up in my heart or receive God's grace. The choice of His grace allows me to be in a position to bless others and be free from the bondage of unforgiveness. I can forgive much because I've been forgiven much, right? When I look at Calvary and I realize what my sin cost Jesus, the price that was paid for the debt of my sin, and that it's been fully forgiven, how could I not forgive others? But the problem is, I forget this truth too often and take my eyes off of Christ. I forget the high price that was paid for me to be forgiven by a holy and righteous God. Forgiveness is hard. Oswald Chambers says, it is shallow oneness to say that God forgives us because he is love. The love of God means Calvary, nothing less. 
The love of God is spelt on the cross and nowhere else. The only ground on which God can forgive me is the cross of my Lord. End quote. That's from my utmost for his highest. God's continually at work in my life. I need to be reminded of God's sovereignty. I know I go back in my time with you all in my blog post so often to Romans 8.28 and remind myself that God is working all things for good in the lives of believers. There's nothing that happens to us that God has not allowed in our lives. Nancy DeMoss reminds us in her book, Choosing Forgiveness, if you're a child of God, the ordeal you're undergoing, however wrong or unfair or heartless it may be or may have been, in his providence and skillful hands will be used to take you somewhere good, deeper into his heart, to a place of greater dependence and trust, more perfectly refined into the likeness of Christ. God will use these difficult situations in our lives to continually sanctify us and mold us more into the image of Christ. There is so much good we can see from them, even still on this side of heaven. They truly make us more compassionate to others and their hurts and difficulties. We see the selfishness and sinfulness of our own hearts and continue to work with the Lord to tear those parts of our life away that aren't like Christ. Relationships are many times so much sweeter as you walk through difficult times and seasons together. This is the reality of why it's God's will for us to give thanks in and through all things. Trust that as you work through this difficult situation in your life, whatever it is, that the Lord will do His sanctifying work in and through you. He loves us enough to not leave us where we are, but to continue to change us into the likeness of His Son. So how do we forgive? How do we do this? In her book, Choosing Forgiveness, Nancy, in chapter five, it's called The Art of Forgiveness. And this chapter to me is worth your time to purchase this book. She has us to write out anyone we need to forgive. We're to write out the people who have wronged us and their offenses. She knows we're going to be asking the question, why would we bring this all up again? Her reminder is we need to get honest and face the reality that we don't forget and we don't just escape reality. So in the midst of our pain, the point is to run to God. He's the only one who can free us from the hurt and the bondage of the situation. Nancy lays out a disclaimer that you don't go trying to dig things up that you don't have recollection of, but just the ones that need to be dealt with. So it's not like you're grabbing everything from your past child. It's just the ones that you know that there's bitterness there and there's hurt still. And you know what? We all know what those situations are. She says, after you write them out, ask yourself the following questions. And I will put these in the show notes too. How have I responded to this person? Have you blessed them? Have you loved them? Have you prayed for them? Have you forgiven them? Let me tell it. Let me just go through them again. How have I responded to this person? Have you blessed them? Have you loved them? Have you prayed for them? Have you forgiven them? Or would it be more honest for us to say that you have withheld love from them, resented them, and been angry with them? Listen. As you ask yourself these questions, you may need to go to the person you are seeking to forgive to ask forgiveness yourself. We need to step up and take responsibility for our sinful responses to be in sinned against. Ask the Lord to search your heart. I think of Psalm 139, 23, and 24 in Matthew 7, 3 through 5. It's painful to remove the log from our own eye, but so worth it. 
I love Nancy's prayer to ask the Lord in seeking to forgive. She says, Lord, by your grace and in obedience to you, I choose to forgive, to clear their record, to press the delete button, to release the offender, to let the offense go. I do forgive. Charles Spurgeon reminds us to be forgiven is such sweetness that honey is tasteless in comparison with it, but yet there is one thing sweeter still, and that is to forgive. So let's talk about the power of forgiveness. There's so many benefits in our lives as we truly forgive others, but the main one is to bring glory to the Lord. When others see the redemptive power of the Lord in our lives, it puts his work in our lives on display for all to see the riches of his glory and grace and mercy being worked out in our lives. The hope is for others to see his work in our lives. We're an example to a lost world around us, to lost family. We're an example to our children. They're watching how we deal with all situations and to see the power of the work of the Lord in our lives. So who do you need to forgive today? Forgiveness is hard, but we have such a sweet opportunity to be like Jesus and forgive others. You can do it through his grace. Will you choose forgiveness today? Elizabeth Elliot reminds us, when Jesus nailed to a Roman cross prayed, Father, forgive them. He wielded a weapon against which Caesar himself had no power. Who can stand up to the force of forgiveness? End quote there. So remember, in all things, Jesus is enough always. Thank you for taking the time today to tune into Thankful Homemaker. I'd so love to connect with you through my blog. It's my little home on the web and where you'll find the show notes for this podcast. Just click on the podcast tab on the menu bar. And ladies, if you've enjoyed this podcast, please give it a rating on iTunes so other mamas can find it too. Have a blessed week, dear friends. Mm -hmm.